Welcome to the Unabridged Podcast. I'm Ashley. And this is Jen. Join us for bookish episodes and check out our website, unabridgedpod.com, where you can find lots of new bookish content to grow your TBR. Sign up for our newsletter to find out more about online book discussions and upcoming events. Find us on Patreon for extra unabridged content. Join us on Instagram and Facebook at Unabridged Pod and message us there or see our website to get plugged into the Unabridged community. You want opinions about books? We've got them. Hi, and welcome to Unabridged. This is episode 248. Today, we are discussing Chintia C. Higgins' Devon and Chris Plan a Wedding. This is our February book club, and we are so excited to discuss this one. But before we get into that, a couple of things. First, I wanted to remind you that we are amping up our Patreon. We make sure that we release at least one bonus episode a month for our Patreon subscribers. That comes out on the first of every month, and you can get that through an RSS feed, just like how you would normally listen in your podcast app. Different feed, but same stuff. It just shows up for you. And so we really appreciate that support. For $5 a month, you get that access, and it does make a huge difference for us. It just covers our costs, the things that we use to record and to share with you our our podcast. So thank you for that. We You can get to that from our website, unabridgedpod.com. There's a link in our show notes if you want to click on the link, or you can go to patreon.com slash unabridgedpod, and we appreciate that support so much. The other thing we wanted to do before we get into our book club is just share our bookish check-in. Jen, what's something you're reading? So I am currently reading an e-galley. Thanks to NetGalley and Simon & Schuster. This is Sophia Puente and Jared Schusterman's Retro. And I will just say the Schusterman name is definitely what drew me to this one. We read Neil Schusterman and Jared Schusterman's Dry a while back as one of our buddy reads. So he is Neil Schusterman's son. And I loved that book. So... I also thought this one had a really intriguing premise. So this one begins in a high school. The main character is Luna. She has two really good friends, and one day she's out shopping with them, and one of them has to leave. So Luna and the other one are milling around the store, and Luna is holding her friend's backpack for her and decides to go run and get a cup of coffee. And as she's exiting the store... She gets caught and is accused of shoplifting because her friend's bag is full of stolen merchandise. Luna is Latinx, which definitely plays into it because her friend is white and blonde. And Luna expects her her friend to come forward and to defend her and to tell the truth. And she does not. So Luna is locked up in the mall security office and the mall security officer calls the police. Eventually, Luna does get to go home, and she's not officially charged, but she is understandably upset. And so she has a video of her friend at a party a few years back, basically trashing her entire friend group in this video. And Luna, in a moment of anger, decides to post it on the social media feed, and the social media company is called Limbo. So the next morning, Luna has regrets, takes down the video. She gets to school and she finds that her friend has become the target of a social media campaign bullying her because of the ugly things she said about the whole friend group. 
And Luna feels horrible because she was very angry with her friend, but she doesn't feel like, you know, no one deserves this. And things spiral out from there. I don't want to spoil everything. All of this happens right at the beginning, but there is there are some events that are important. But the crux of all of it is Luna feels so guilty that she messages the social media company and says that she would like to do something to help make up for what she sees as her role in this bullying incident. And so she doesn't hear anything back, but about a week or so later, she comes to school. The CEO of Limbo is there and they are offering this challenge. They feel like teenagers constant presence on social media and with devices is part of what's behind these incidents of bullying. And so they say that if teenagers will commit to one year of not using any technology that came out after 2000, they will get a full ride to college. Luna is a little torn, but she's also really committed to wanting to sort of do penance for what she did. And so she agrees to this, this challenge. So she's going to go a year with no smartphone. If she goes to a restaurant and there's something on the the big screen TV, that's okay. She doesn't have to become totally isolated in her home, but there can't be anything basically that she is doing. If she needs to borrow someone's phone to call 911, that is okay. You know, they have these caveats. Well, we also know that Luna is telling this story looking back on the previous year and that currently she is somewhere bleeding and looking back on this year and telling the story. So it's flashing back and forth between the present where she's, you know, bleeding and desperate and this story of the challenge. And that's, that is where I left off. So you can feel my suspense right now. I, I do not know what is going to take her from committing to this no tech challenge. Oh, they also encourage them to wear clothes from before 2000 and to listen to music from before 2000. And so there is this whole retro vibe that they are encouraging as well. So yeah, I mean, I think it's raising some really interesting questions that sort of, you know, who's at fault? Is it the commitment to being online all the time? Or is it the people? I think those questions are really interesting to ask. I think that Luna herself is a really interesting character because she is wrestling with how to do the right thing. So yeah, so far it is really compelling. I'm anxious to see how it all plays out. So again, that is Sophia Lapointe and Jared Schusterman's Retro. Man, that sounds fascinating. And yeah, I hadn't heard of that one. But same about Schusterman. (laughs) So we're recording a little early. It will come out at the end of January. So if you're listening to this, it is already out and available. And I'm hoping it has gotten some buzz uh, because it is, I think it's well worth reading. Yeah. And I like, I'll definitely check out LaPuente's work. And again, I'm all in for Schusterman. All right. So Ashley, what are you reading? So I just recently started, I'm only a little bit in so far, but I started Maggie O'Farrell's This Must Be the Place. So people who keep up with the podcast, like if you read the bookish faves and some of our posts and stuff, one of the things I'm trying to do this year is just be a little bit more intentional about in my momentary decision. Like I feel like I choose books on spur of the moment and often at night because I read most at night. And so 
I have found as I'm like looking back that a lot of times I haven't read things that I think might be a little heavier or might be a little more work to read in whatever capacity. So emotional work, actual like brain work of it being a little more challenging, whatever. So that's just something I've been thinking about. So Maggie Farrell, somebody I love, we discussed a long time ago on the podcast, I am, I am, I am, which I absolutely thought was brilliant. So I've been wanting to read more of hers. I had this on my Kindle. And so I was like, I'm gonna start it. So yay me. I feel like that was a checkbox on a challenge, you know, just wanting to do something and being like, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. I'm Mm -hmm. not gonna pick the one romance that I still have floating on my Kindle. I'm gonna, (laughs) I'm gonna read something else instead. And so far, it's also, it's great, but it's not super heavy. I do Mm -hmm. think it may come to that. But it's not like I started and I was like, Oh, I could have started this a long time ago. So the premise here is that it's from the perspective of Daniel Sullivan, who is a father in the opening part of the book, he is living in Ireland. He's an American living in Ireland with his wife and children. And they live in a very remote area. But then as the story begins to unfold, it's the unpacking of his background that got him to Ireland. And then also her background, Claudia is his wife. And he we come to find out that she is a wildly famous film star from the past and that she disappeared and is living a reclusive life trying you know she made a big exit he did not realize who she was originally when he first meets her but most of the world knows who she is and so a lot of their current life is just them her keeping a low profile in the countryside and them living their life well the other thing that happens quickly in the book is, like I said, it's the unpacking. So there's a lot of um, movement through different points in time. And we come to see why he wound up in Ireland to begin with. So that happens pretty quickly. And what it starts with, a lot of what we see him ha- happening is that he is looking for the ashes of his grandfather. And so, again, this is like maybe 20 years prior. So he's looking for the ashes of his grandfather and... He calls all these different places thinking he's never going to get anywhere, but he does call a place in Ireland that has them. And the people are like, when are you coming to get him? And so this propels him to go to Ireland and to pick up his grandfather's remains. And then as he is doing that, he takes his grandfather on all these different excursions. And that's where he meets Claudette. So we see that happening. And then the other thing that we find out pretty quickly is that he has an ex-wife and he had two children with her. And she, we find out pretty quickly that he has had no contact with the children in a long time. And so all of that is unfolding. I mean, I am really captivated. I think that what I love that a feral does so well is I feel like she really gets into the complexities of a person and how we are not just one thing and that life is complicated, but also people are complicated. And so I think you really see that you just see a lot of what's going on inside Daniel and his intentions, but also how that plays out. But like I said, it, it moves. I mean, it's quick moving. It's really compelling. And there is it's clear, I mean, I'm probably, I don't know, maybe 30% or something. And this hasn't really started to happen yet. But I think that there is a substantial issue with something that happened in his past that is going to get unpacked that we haven't really seen yet that has to do with this person who is not in his family. And so I see that 
piece that I think is going to be important. But right now, it's a lot about his current family, but also his family that he is estranged from, and then just seeing how all that comes together. And yeah, I'm loving it. I think it's really beautifully written. And I'm glad that I started it. So that one's Maggie O'Farrell's This Must Be the Place. Yeah, I love that too. I I just you're right, her writing. So it is literary fiction in the best possible way and that the writing is beautiful and the characters are so well drawn. But all of hers, once I start them, I'm just so swept in. And yeah, I just don't want to put them down. She's an amazing writer. Yes, I am loving it. And that's it. Thank you. That's exactly it, Jen, is that I realized when I looked back over some of my last couple of years that I had not read much literary fiction, which in the past I have always loved. Mm-hmm. But I just started to realize that I was gravitating away from it. And while I don't think that we have to read it all the time, we always are saying, like, it's great to read read what you love. It's great to read yeah. what you love. But I also think I find some fulfillment in reading books that are literary fiction or for whatever other reason require a little more work. And so then as I went into this year, I was like, I just want to make sure I'm Mm -hmm. reading some of that because I like it. It feels good when you read something that stays with you. Yeah. So we today we are discussing Chinsia C. Higgins, Devon and Chris plan a wedding. And this one is a romance. I'm going to read a quick synopsis. And Devon and Chris plan a wedding. Both Kristen Zavala and Devon Miller have applied to be contestants on Instant I Do, a reality TV show whose goal is to convince friends and family members that the two strangers paired at the beginning of the appointed six weeks window are not only dating, but are getting married at the end of the six weeks. For Devon, being on the show is a chance to finally face her fears and share with her family that she's a lesbian. For Chris, the show is about finding a shot at true love, After many failed relationships, can they convince their families and fulfill their personal goals? So that's really like the focus of the story. And I thought the premise was pretty funny, but let's talk about um, what our initial thoughts are. Jen, what was your overall impression? I really enjoyed this one. I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought the writing voice is strong and each character is so well developed and they have distinctive voices as the book switches back and forth between their perspectives. I really enjoyed that. I think I am very skeptical of shows like this. And so I appreciated that Higgins acknowledges that and has the characters acknowledge the problems with shows like that. And, you know, it's sort of playing with the idea of love at first sight and how ridiculous it is. And yet it is a romance centered on characters who are are on a reality show that's playing with the idea. So I feel like there are all these levels of consideration of, yeah, reality TV. And then you also have just this great representation of characters who know that they are not often represented on reality TV. And, you know, for Devon in particular, That is a real goal. And so I like that as well. Just the acknowledgement of the complexity of these characters and the fact that we often don't see them on TV. So yeah, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a fun romance. I was glad. This is one we, sometimes we pick our book club books that we've read before. This is one neither of us had read. And so I always go in with a little trepidation and yeah, I thought it was great. What about you? Yep, I really enjoyed it. I felt like I when I started was like, oh my gosh, because of the premise of the reality show itself. And but then I did love immediately we see all the characters who were selected. And 
I really loved both, like you said, Jen, the representation, but also the acknowledgement of how rare that representation is. You know, just all the things like people of color, people of different body types, people of different sexual preferences, people of different gender identities, all of that, and how that has been so underrepresented. And yet the show makes such a conscious effort to do that. And all the people participating are aware of that. And so I just thought all of that was really great. I also absolutely loved their families and the demonstration of how I thought, like like you said, Jen, I did, I absolutely agreed that I thought that they were both so distinctive and I loved their voices and just like the way, I mean, you know, everything about, she just had a really great style in the sense that like the way that they talked and thought was so unique to each character and I really enjoyed that. But then the other thing I really loved was seeing how both families worked as family units and how... It is possible in Devon's situation, we see this, it is possible to be close with your family and yet also have to navigate something that in her case, she's withheld this information for all this time because she didn't want to jeopardize her relationship with her family. Mm -hmm. And that's both, you know, Chris, because we can also see Chris's perspective, Chris is like appalled that that has happened and that Devon feels she has to be less than her whole self in order to fit with her family. And yet we also see Devon's side and Devon wanting to hold on to these relationships that are really important to her, even if it is to her own detriment. I thought all of that was really, really thoughtfully considered. So yeah, I thought it was great. Um, what is one specific thing that worked for you? So I thought, I'm going to try to say this and hopefully it's not too circuitous, but I really liked, so the premise of Instant I Do is that you have a, a proposed couple who is not actually a couple. And so they are trying to convince their families that they are engaged and that they have to plan this whole wedding. And that is all deception. And I really liked the way for Devon that that deception was a way to get at truth for her. Like as you were saying, Ashley, that she is trying to use this to force herself to tell her family the truth about the fact that she is a lesbian. And I thought there was also this great discussion of the fact that that's not owed to anyone, that that is her decision about when she will share that information, share that part of her identity. But I thought it was so smart to think about the different reasons we have for deceiving people or just for withholding the truth. And I thought that was really, really smart. And I loved, I was really worried that at the end there was going to be a whole scene of everybody being angry because they'd been on this reality TV show and they deceived them and in the church. And instead you just see this outpouring of love for these people because they see the central truth, which is that they love each other. And so, yeah, they got there by deception. Anyway, I just thought that the way Higgins dealt with all of those layers was so smart and, yeah, I thought that that was a really great... I, I think the differences between Chris and Devon, one of them being the fact that Devon has not shared that information with really anyone, uh, I think a handful of people, is a great way to show the contrast that everybody's not the same and they handle things in different ways and their families react differently. And yeah, I thought it was really great. Yeah, I completely agree. I thought that that was one of the things that I really appreciated. And same, I was worried about what kind of spectacle we were moving toward. And just I just wasn't very interested in there being a lot of, you know, craziness with the deception, because in a lot of ways, it was not a deception. I mean, I think that that, while that might have been the original intent, they were genuine. 
and their feelings that developed and all of that. So, you know, there was no need to be critical. What about you? What was one thing that worked for you? I think something I really loved in the book was the secondary characters. I felt like there was just a really, I just loved how Higgins showed Kevin, who was kind of their guide slash producer slash, you know, he was the one appointed to them as a couple and helping them with the steps along the way and the things they were required to do. I loved him and I loved what we came to see about him and just that he was optimistic and that he believed in love and that he wanted couples and gay couples specifically to be happy and fulfilled and recognized. And I just thought all of that was so richly done because he could have been a very different character. Mm -hmm. And instead there were parts that were funny. There was a lot that was light, but I also felt like he, he was one of the characters I thought was great. I also loved how we got to know Cinta was a great character for Devon, her, her best friend. I loved all that. I mean, I thought that that relationship of them as friends, even the ability to say the hard thing and to call each other out when you misunderstand and to work their way through that, I thought all of that was really richly done. I mean, so I just, and same with the families. I mean, so I I could go on and on about the secondary characters, but basically I thought that was a really notable part of the book that I thought was well done and enriched what I already enjoyed in the central characters. I mean, I thought Chris and Devon were great, but I thought that the way that Higgins shows the tapestry of each of their lives, I thought was really well done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really loved... You mentioned Kevin, and I thought that the way the people behind this reality show functioned was great. One moment that stood out to me is the first time, I think it's in one of Devon's chapters, and they're getting ready to hook her up to the mic, and the sound engineer asks permission to put it on her. And she says, oh, is it negotiable? And he says, it's not negotiable that you wear it. It's negotiable whether I put it on you or not. And so even though it is, again, a show built on deception and built on manipulation, and they definitely are manipulated, you know, the whole thing with finding the venues and everything, they they are playing that for maximum drama. And yet there's still a respect in the way they treat the contestants that I think I really appreciated. And You know, again, like you said, Kevin very easily could have been mean-spirited to create more drama for the TV. And yet, because he's pulling for them, he allows the drama that's there inherently to be there. But he doesn't artificially manipulate what he's telling them or not telling them to create more drama for the screen. So, yeah, I thought that was interesting because so often we see these exposés of these reality TV shows and they're horrible And this one was enough that it would be interesting watching, but not so much that the characters felt disrespected, which I thought was great. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we would each like to share a quote that we selected. Jen, what's a quote that you wanted to share? So this alludes to something I've talked about already, but right at the beginning when Devon finds out that she's been accepted to the show, she says, far too often, even the calls for queer representation tended to leave out people who looked like me, but not this time. They had accepted me in all of my cocoa brown skinned, plus sized and lesbian glory. So I suppose they were doing something different for season three. And I just thought, you know, just that blunt statement of the fact that she looks different, that, you know, it talks about colorism I think with Chris, you see someone who is very different from Devon and 
the way it celebrates Chris and the way she looks. And, you know, it talks about her tattoos and it talks about her piercings and it talks about the fact that she works out and all of that is celebrated. I just think is wonderful. I I really appreciated that discussion through the book. And yeah, the word celebration just keeps coming to my head. That celebration of, like you said, when you see that people who've been cast, they are all quite different from each other and they all have their own stories and we may only get two of them, but you know that everyone has a unique story. And so I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Something we didn't comment on, but you know, her dedication, Higgins dedication at the very beginning was about people who are still not telling their families and her, you know, just speaking to them directly and saying, I see you. And so I just thought there was a lot of that too, of just being, you know, seeing people for whatever those differences are and recognizing it. Yeah. What about you, Ashley? What's a quote you wanted to talk about? So this is when towards the end, like Jen said, there is definitely manipulation throughout. And so one of the times that there is some manipulation is when they watch the application video that the other one sent in. So with this quote, this is Chris watching Devon. And Devon is talking about why she wants to be on the show. And Chris says, I felt a pang in my chest at her expression. Yeah, I'd witnessed how difficult that moment was for her, but seeing it on her face, however long before she was able to change that narrative, was hard. I wanted to reach through the screen and pull her into a hug. I wanted to kiss her temple and tell her how I'd support her through that moment. And so that's really, you know, her talking about Devon sharing that she'd never told her family that she was gay and that she wants to be on the show in order to essentially like force her to do it. I mean, I think a lot of it is about it's not that she wanted a ton of drama. It's that she needed outward accountability that was going to push her hand to make her tell them. And so I just love that because I think Chris's character shows the conflicting feelings that both she's like, how can these people not accept her for what she is? Mm -hmm. How can she not feel like she's in a safe space to tell them, but also acknowledging that that is the reality and that she can support her and be kind to her family, even though that's the situation. I think we really see that throughout. So I loved that. And I loved her working her way through that and figuring out how to, be supportive, not just of Devon, but of Devon's relationship with her family, yes. even though her family's really complicated. So yeah. I thought all that was really great. Yeah. And I thought it would have been so easy to demonize her mom. And so her missteps are acknowledged and dealt with. But she still loves, Devon still loves her mom. Crystal comes to appreciate her. So yeah, I thought, yeah, I really liked that as well, that it didn't take the easy way out of just writing someone off as a villain. It acknowledged everyone as complex characters and some of them make really big mistakes, but that doesn't mean they have to be written out of their lives. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. We wanted to share a pairing. So if you loved this one, we wanted to recommend a couple of others that you might enjoy. Jen, what's your pairing? So I am recommending a book by Sophie Gonzalez. And I just want to say, if you are doing our reading challenge this year, Devon and Chris plan a wedding work. So our, our category, one of our categories is LGBTQ plus romance. And so obviously Devon and Chris plan a wedding would work. Sophie Gonzalez's books, all of those would work as well. Now she typically writes YA, but her first adult novel is called Never Ever Getting Back Together. And it also centers on a reality show. So I think it's a great pairing 
for this one. This is about Maya, who has been dating someone who is related to royalty. His sister marries into a royal family somewhere in Europe. And she finds out at some point that he has been cheating on her. And they have a really ugly breakup that is much, much publicized. And the girl that he was cheating on her with is named Sky. So at some point, the ex, whose name is Jordy, becomes the center of a reality TV show called Second Chance Romance, where he brings all of his ex-girlfriends to one home and they all date in an attempt for him to find love again with one of his exes. So <laughs> Maya and Sky are both invited. Maya comes on with the intention of sharing the truth about what happened because the way she was portrayed by the media was as this unhinged, very angry young woman who, you know, was upset just because he dumped her and moved on with his life. Sky has no idea that this was the truth. Jordy had told her that he and Maya were broken up and you know, that everything was hunky dory and that she was just overreacting. And when Jordy calls Sky to ask her to be on the show, he warns her that Maya is, you know, spreading these stories. The book takes place all in this house where Jordy is coming and dating all of these exes and it alternates between Maya's and Sky's perspectives. And as the book continues, Maya and Sky start having feelings for each other. They are both bisexual. I really enjoyed this one. I thought it, it's a lot like The Bachelor. It's set up a lot like The Bachelor in the way that, you know, he gives something to everyone who's moving on and someone's voted off every show and they have these dates that are set up and and you watch who's chosen for the dates. There's a lot of backstage drama that, of course, is all filmed with the girls having conflicts that are very much set up by the producers. But the characters, I thought Maya and Sky were both so well drawn. Gonzalez is a great writer. And so their voices are distinctive. Their points of view are distinctive. You see the way that each is working through her feelings, both about her ex and how he made them feel about them. But then also as they start to realize that they're attracted to each other. So it, it's a lot of fun. I think it's a great pairing for this book because it is very much talking about the type of people that reality shows typically want to be on and the ways that all of the girls on the show, not just Maya and Sky, might fall outside of that expectation and how that should be acknowledged. So I really enjoyed it. Gonzalez, again, is an auto-read author for me. I really like her YA books, which do all focus on LGBTQ characters as well. And so, yeah, I highly recommend her as an author and never, ever getting back together specifically as a pairing for this book. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it's really a lot of fun. And I haven't read any of hers yet, so I definitely should check her out. See, I think you would really like Perfect on Paper is the first one of hers I read, and it was really good. All right, Ashley, what's your pairing? So I wanted to just mention that the one that I shared for Cozy Reads 
a while ago, Alexis Hall's Rosaline Palmer Takes the Cake is a great pairing. I just didn't want to revisit that since I shared it recently. And I've had regret after the cozy episode. That one is open door. (laughs) (laughs) And so afterwards, I was like, oh, I should have said because I still, you know, forget sometimes to categorize. I forget the coded language of words like cozy. Uh So should have said that. It is open door. And it's great. And in that one, the main character is bisexual. Like Jen was saying about Sophie Gonzalez, Alexis Hall always is exploring characters on the LGBTQIA spectrum. And so there's a lot of different kinds of characters who have different representations. But all of Alexis Hall's have gay characters, trans characters, uh, characters who are bisexual, lots of different identity exploration there. And so that one would definitely qualify for our category. But today I wanted to share Alexis Daria's You Had Me at Ola. And the reason I wanted to share that one is because this centers on actors. So while it is not specifically reality TV, it is characters who on stage have to be in love. They have to play a certain role. They're being filmed doing that. And then it's them getting to know each other in real life also. And I thought it was really well done. This one focuses on Jasmine, who has had a really bad breakup, which was very public and kind of has left her. I mean, like you were saying, Jen, like there was a lot of really negative publicity because of it. And so she's reeling from that. And then she has decided that she is going to be single. She's going to take a break. And then in the next casting, she's with a telenovela star who um, she gets to know. And <laughs> she she has these plans to get her career back on track and to make sure that that's the main focus. But then she gets to know Ashton, who is cast with her, and things are going awry. He has a lot of things going on in his private life that he does not want to be in the center the public eye. And so there's a lot of that. So I just think that it has those connections of what do we show on TV? What do we keep to ourselves? How are those things similar and different? And so for that reason, I think it's a good pairing. And I just really enjoyed it. And so that one again is Alexis Daria's You Had Me at Ola. And there's at least a sequel, if not more, which I haven't come back to yet, but I would like to revisit. Yeah. I haven't read that one either, but it is definitely on my list. Well, we are going to wrap up with Bookish Hearts, and then we will share our Give Me One. Jen, how many Bookish Hearts? I think four. I really, really enjoyed this one. Yep. Four for me, too. Yeah, it was a good one. Okay, for our Give Me One, I thought it'd be fitting to talk about a favorite reality TV show, since we are discussing all things reality TV. Jen, what's a favorite for you? I'm really torn here because my family watches several together, but I think, all right, I'm going to cheat a little bit. I've talked about Lego Masters before when we've talked about this, so I'm going to recommend a different one. We love Nailed It, which is just a totally ridiculous and yet good-hearted show where they take everyday people and give them the challenge of making cakes that are made by amazing crafts people and they have to try to replicate it and they always fail. It is always horrible. And yet the (laughs) judges come around and they're very supportive. And Jacques is the 
amazing pastry chef who is the judge always. And he's always like giving these little instructions about, well, you know, if you would use this instead of this, it would have not melted or what, you know, whatever. But it is really funny. It is really fun. And again, it's really good natured. So it's a competition show, but it's not one where anyone's being nasty to anybody else. So yeah, nailed it. It's a lot of fun. It's on Netflix. How about you? What's one of your favorite reality TV shows, Ashley? I was thinking I didn't really watch any reality TV shows, but then when I started thinking about it, I was like, oh, I do. I do watch a few. <laughs> so my my favorite that I've gone back to many times is The Great British Bake Off, and I absolutely love that one and have watched multiple seasons, which is probably the only one that I have watched multiple seasons of, but one more I... I guess I'm going to cheat a little bit as well. One more that I enjoyed when you were talking about that, Jen, it reminded me is Making It. This one has crafters who are selected. I mean, it's people who are, are makers. That's their that's their passion. And this one has Amy Poehler and Nick Offerman. And like you were saying, Jen, it's just really good hearted and sweet. And people are very supportive. So there is certainly a competitive element to it. But it is amazing to see what the participants create and it's one that we like watching as a family so yeah that's a good one i somehow have never watched that i need to because i love them so much oh yeah i really love it i think it's great well we hope you enjoyed our book club discussion of chintia c higgins devon and chris plan a wedding and we are interested to hear any pairings that you have if you read this and you have any to recommend let us know at unabridged pod on social media or you can always send us an email at unabridgedpod at gmail.com thanks so much for listening do you have comments or opinions about what you heard today we'd love to hear them you can find us on instagram facebook and twitter at unabridged pod or on the web at unabridgedpod.com for ways to support us To get more involved, you can sign up for our newsletter, join a buddy read, or become an ambassador. Thanks for listening to Unabridged.